As, as we have said, I have said, Natalie has said numerous times already, it is Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of the Christian year, the Sunday when we celebrate the culmination of all that uh, Jesus has done and, and been and is, and, and as we have celebrated during this year. As we turn to Scripture, we look to two Scripture passages that tell the story a little bit, well, maybe not the story, the traits of the kind of king that Jesus is, was, and is, and always will be. And it's a kind of king that is very, very different from the kind of kings that have ruled in our life, the kind of politicians who have had power over uh, people in particular ways. Jesus is very much a different kind of king, um, and for that we all should say, thanks be to God. This morning we read first from 2 Samuel chapter 23, read verses 1 through 7, and we'll hear words from David about who Jesus will be when he comes. And then we'll read from the first chapter of Revelation, and we read a few verses about who Jesus is. Now that he has come. Hear now these readings from God's word. Now these are the last words of David. The oracle of David, son of Jesse. The oracle of the man whom God exalted. The anointed of the God of Jacob. The favorite of the strong one of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His word is upon my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of morning, like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on the grassy land. Is not my house like this with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. Will he not cause to to prosper all my help and my desire? But the godless are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be picked up with the hand. To touch them... One uses an iron bar or the shaft of a spear, and they are entirely consumed in fire on the spot. And now from John's Revelation chapter 1, beginning of the second part of verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, 
Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we're going to get back to that, but to set the stage, let's think about the time of year that it is. The holiday season is upon us, and if somehow you missed it due to the change in the weather, or you missed Thanksgiving, or you haven't paid attention to the, the decorations around you, if you had missed everything but watched the news, you would know from the commercials on the television that it is the holiday season, the most wonderful time of the year, and of all the people, the advertisers will not let you forget that, will they? I have shared with you before that my favorite Christmas movie is the one called A Christmas Story. It's the one with Ralphie set in the like 1950s in middle America. Ralphie's a a blonde boy with the dark glasses. And all he wants for Christmas is a Red Ryder BB gun. You remember this? Now, there's several different subplots that weave their way through the story, and one of them is about the Little Orphan Annie radio show. Now, I'm old enough to remember that radio shows existed, and I don't have to ask what they were. Uh, But some of you may remember radio shows like this. And Ralphie had wanted to become a member of Little Orphan Annie's secret society. And so he did the requisite things, probably collected tokens or something like that, and and sent them off so that at, at some point in six to eight weeks, plus shipping and handling, his welcome packet to the secret society would come in the mail. I remember collecting UPC codes from cereal boxes and sending off for a t-shirt or something like that. Every day, Ralphie would come home and check his mailbox. We saw this happen several times in the film. And then one day, the packet came. And Ralphie was thrilled. He was excited. The, the, The packet had come. He was a member now of Little Orphan Annie's secret society. And he couldn't wait till the show that night so that he could use his new secret decoder ring to decode the special secret message from little orphan Annie. The night finally came and Ralphie is focused. He is thrilled. He gathered himself near the radio. Everybody else was off doing whatever it was they wanted to do. And when it got to the end of the show, the radio man voice, Pierre, I think his name was, Encourages the kids to get their Dakota ring and set them to B2. And then write down all the correct numbers so that they could get little orphan Annie's secret message. Ralphie, Ralphie carefully writes everything down. He runs upstairs and locks himself in the bathroom because it was the only room in the house that a 10-year-old boy could have any privacy. And with the fate of the world hanging in the balance, He writes down the secret message. It starts with the letter B. 
and then E, and then S-U-R-E. Oh, he discerns. Be sure to. What am I? What do I need to be sure to do? The tension builds, and he's excited. His mother and kid brother want in the bathroom. He finishes decoding it, and reads. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ralphie is confused, and then his confusion turns to frustration as Ralphie realizes that little orphan Annie's secret society is merely a means for Ovaltine to advertise to children to drink more processed food. There was no secret society. He was tricked by a giant corporation, and he was disappointed. We never hear from little orphan Annie again in the movie. Now, I love the story because it does remind me of of childhood. I hope, I mean, maybe it doesn't remind you of yours, but, but you know, as kids, we have things that we want, that we think, oh, this is going to be fantastic, it's going to be perfect, and then we get the thing during the holiday season only to realize the Transformers are not as cool in person as they are in animation. The reality is that the advertised toy is almost always a letdown. And the reality is far too often in all of our life, the things we think we really, really want and and maybe we just, just need fail to deliver. We don't end up then getting what we want or what we need. And in a small way, Jesus is the same. Oh, ultimately, he's not at all the same. He's very much a different kind of king. But he didn't give the people what they wanted. He was a different kind of king, and his life, and his his ministry, and his death, and his resurrection fulfill exactly what we need though we didn't think that was the case from the outset. But the good news is, when it comes to Jesus' life and what we really need, unlike those socks that your awkward aunt got you for Christmas, that you did really need, coming to Jesus through faith and getting what we need is far greater than what we could ever have wanted because because what we need is the life and the hope and the salvation and the resurrection. And what we need is far greater than what we would want even on our best days. Now, this disconnect between wants and needs is all over life and and history and and the Old Testament is really full, full of it. The Old Testament, in, in, in one way or another, is kind of this constant back and forth of the people of Israel chasing after what they want until God gives them what, what they need. And that's when the story changes from the Old Testament to the New. The Old Testament is the people of Israel, Israel getting what they want and realizing that even when they got what they want, like in King David... He couldn't provide them what they needed. Oh, they had wanted a king and they got King David. 
And after David died and, and the Davidic reign was over, they looked and looked and looked for another King David. So entrenched was this desire to have a king like David that all of the prophecies of Jesus are shaped around his Davidic lineage. But David was not a perfect king. Oh, it started great with the David and Goliath thing, and, and the, the way that he's cagey around Saul is, is very interesting. But there's the Bathsheba incident. There's other things. And when we get to the end of 2 Samuel, as we're reading the last words of David, we read that the God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel said to me, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of the morning. The most beloved king in Israel's history is on his deathbed, and when he talks about the king that would come, he talks about one who would come and rule justly and rule in the fear of God. He's not saying this about himself. He's not saying this about any human ruler that could have come. He couldn't be. What he's prophesying is that he's looking to a people who are in need. And what they need is not someone like the David who slung a rock at Goliath. What they don't need is some wheeler, dealer, king who could get the people what they wanted through some ancient Near Eastern diplomacy. What they didn't need was a mighty conqueror who could overcome opposition with military might. David realizes that what they need is someone who rules with justice and who fears God rather than man. And only Jesus can do this because when, when we're left to our own devices, we will fall short. We may have good intentions and good souls, but when, when push comes to shove and our instincts uh, kick, kick in and our proclivity to sin kicks in, we have a tendency to worry about ours and, and, and to get ours rather than rule with justice. We have a tendency to fear the threats of another person or entity above the fear and awe and respect we might have for God. Even the best among us will forget or forsake at times, intentional or not, to be the kind of people who lead with justice and who fear the Lord. The only one who doesn't is Jesus, who can't help but lead with justice. And mercy. And in, in that way, Jesus exceeds, far exceeds David's reign and rule because he provides what we truly need, not just what we want. That second reading from Revelation 1, chapter 4, is, is John talking about Jesus. Now with Revelation, we often try to predict specific events that might happen because of what we read here. Oh, well, this means that, and that means that. And, and well, maybe that's why I stay away from it. Because I wonder if, if a better way to see Revelation is to see the, the, the human behaviors that are told through the story. 
the story that happens over and over and over again. But today's passage does reveal and affirm that which we needed in Jesus. They tell us all that we need to know about the beginning and the middle and the end of Jesus' life and reign. As John writes, He who loves us and and freed us from our sins by His blood and made us to be a kingdom of priests serving His God the Father. To Him be the glory forever and ever. And He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, the One who was and is and is to come. And when you read Revelation in that light, that at the beginning He was there, and at the end He was there, and in the middle, He's there too. John's revelation then cuts straight to what we need, which is freedom from sin by the blood of Jesus, the One who is beyond our time and space, Jesus who was there at the beginning and will be there to meet us at our end. And through his life and death and ministry and resurrection, offer salvation and the unconditional love of the everlasting God. Jesus judges with justice and equity. And in him no one is ever shorted or slighted. Everyone has a chance and a fair shake. And those who receive the love of God and embrace it have access to that love and that justice and that equity forever and ever and ever. And that is good news. That is what we need. Oh, it's not what the people wanted. When Jesus was walking around and, and teaching and, and, and healing and, and offering prophecy, the people weren't following Him saying, you know what we really need is, is um, salvation. They were thinking about their next meal or their next job, or to be healed from the infirmities that were holding them down at the moment. But the reality is, as much as we need those momentary things fixed, the overarching thing we need is salvation and love, unconditional love, from the Holy God of the universe. We're short-sighted, though, We're programmed to think that what we need, we need to get as quickly as possible. And and thinking about salvation is a long game sometimes. And thinking, uh, not thinking about salvation points us to wrestling with what we want rather than what it is we deeply need. Now, if you're a fan of rock and roll music and you've been listening to wants and needs and your mind is as silly as mine is at times, you've had Mick Jagger's voice running through your head reminding you that you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you get what you need. Now, I, I will not and do not want to delve any further into the psychedelic 60s rock and roll lyrics because, well, there's no there there. But it is true that you do often get what you need when you look for it and find it. To a child, the the, the resignation in the the Rolling Stone lyrics might be, you don't always get the candy that you want, but if you try sometimes, you might get the vegetables that you need. To adults, you may not always get the vacation time you want, but if you wait for it, you might get the jobs that you need. 
And there might be a temptation to read a a song like that with sadness and resignation, but in the light of Jesus, if you realize that you're not going to get the King David that you think you want, you're actually going to get the Jesus that you really need, you're not going to get the mighty conqueror that you want, like Alexander the Great. You're not going to get the exilic deliverer like Moses. And, and you may not get the Davidic protector of Israel like David in his reign. But if you realize that in Jesus you get what you need, you realize that you get a different kind of king who instead of working through political power and military might, provides, he, he, he provides a sense of love and purpose and hope and possibility, and joy, and freedom. And through his love, we receive something much greater than just a win for a day. We get eternal life, and love, and hope, and possibility. Then, you see, we get exactly what we need. Because what we need is a different kind of king than the one we often think. We want. Now, spoiler alert Ralphie doesn't drink any more Ovaltine. He does get his official Red Rider carbide action 200 shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and the thing that tells time. But if you haven't seen the end of the story, I'll have to let you watch it for yourself to see how even that disappoints him before it's all said and done. But somehow, this thing that we we struggle to see and touch and feel but know is there, this, this love from God, somehow that doesn't let us down. It doesn't leave us alone or stranded. It, it, it doesn't disappoint the way that so many other things in the world will. Because the love of God exists to give us what it is we truly, truly need. It exists not because of what we want, but because Jesus is a different kind of king. And he's the only kind of king who gives us, he's the only king who gives us what we need. And all we need to do to receive it is to receive it. To figure out how to cultivate in our, it in our lives. To join with other believers. To grow in our faith. And to receive it and express it. So that we might see that this is exactly what we need. And it came from a different king than we ever expected. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving and holy God, we give you thanks for this day. Oh Lord, we give you thanks that Jesus is the king that we need, even if, it's, if he's not the king that we thought we wanted. Lord, we give you thanks that even on his deathbed, David points us in that direction. And we give you thanks that through all of the winding twists and turns of John's prophecy at the beginning, the God who saved us through his love and through his blood is there at the end meeting, a, meeting us when it is finished. Lord, on this Christ the King Sunday, help us to see with new eyes the ways that you provide that which we need. And may we rejoice because tangibly, spiritually, emotionally, and in ways beyond what we can imagine, you meet our needs.
Lord, we need to be a grateful people. We want to be a grateful people. Help us to be a grateful people for the ways you meet our needs today. And it is in your name that we pray these things today. Amen.